You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to another episode of the Grossed Out Podcast. I am your host, Rob Gross. Today, we are going to be talking about a very divisive figure in the music industry and one of my personal favorites, albeit with his strife and problems and drug addiction and drinking and whatever. But today we are going to be talking about Ryan Adams, Ryan Adams. So my guest today is Bridget Hilton, somebody that I've known for a extremely long time, um, worked at Universal back in the day together and super honored to have her on the podcast to talk about one of our favorites and someone that we both worked with early on in, in our careers. Uh, in that span, I think he probably put out 75 records, um, but you know, it's the way he is. So let me give you a little background on, on Bridget. After 10 plus years in the music industry, working for venues in retail and at major record labels, Bridget started Listen, you shouldn't, you'll know it as LSTN, to create a more inspiring audio brand. After seeing a video of someone hear her own voice for the first time, she decided to focus her efforts on creating change throughout the power of sound and music. Since then, Listen has sold millions of headphones and speakers throughout the world and has been named Forbes 30 Under 30, uh, yes, Forbes 30 Under 30, interviewed by the likes of the Today Show, Good Morning America, Bloomberg, Rolling Stone, in addition to partnering with some of the biggest companies on earth like Google, Delta, and Spotify. She's donated over a million dollars, traveled to 35 countries and counting, and helped more than 35,000 people receive hearing aids through charity partner Starkey Hearing Foundation. Bridget Hilton, welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. I am so excited to be here, and I'm glad that we finally got together. I know. We've been trying to do this for a while, and I could not be happier about this one because it's, one, we get to we get to hang out, or as, I mean, this is how we hang out now. So this, <laughs> this, we get to hang out and talk about music, which is something that, you know, we were talking about earlier, where it, a lot of that is is lost today because it's just everything's so data-driven, and it's just putting out fires and, and whatnot, but this this artist, like Whiskey Town, Ryan, whatever, Cardinals, whatever, you know, situation he was in, this was an artist that I think brought a lot of joy and a lot of development to both of our careers. And um, yeah, it's just really cool to talk to somebody else that understands and is like a crazy fan. And yeah, it's just, it's really cool to talk to you about it. I agree. And I don't really get a lot of chances to talk about music now. So this is very exciting. Yeah, you're busy basically um, saving the world and and (laughs) (laughs) doing way way more important stuff than this. But look, we agreed before this that obviously, um, look, he's a divisive figure, especially at this at this point in time. And there's been some issues, one that I've seen firsthand, which is super uncomfortable. And I I think that he's had some trouble in recent to the last two, three years, um, cancel culture or Me Too movement or whatever you want to call it, for him with a slew of well-known and celebrity and musician partners. And I think we'd, we'd be remiss to not at least discuss it and get it out of the way before we kind of got into the music because I don't want to overshadow anything um, you know, of that nature. And I, I don't think we need to like, what do you think? What do you think? But it's definitely something that's that's there. And you know, I read a couple articles about what happened since today where, where he basically was trying to somewhat apologize, but never quite apologize. <laughs> and then in a very Ryan Adams-ish way, was also like, yeah, and I have got like six records ready to go. So he released one of them quietly in December. It's fine, mm-hmm. I think. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's um, not the best. Not the best, uh, but 
Yeah. I mean, that whole situation was just kind of like, so where, how is it for you? Has that changed how you feel about him as an artist? Like if you like a better question, sorry. Like, have you been able to separate the art from the person? Uh, I have been able to separate the art from the person. And I feel like in general, as a music fan, I really don't look at their personal lives as being their art because I mean, this is a broad statement, but most artists that I like are kind of crazy and have had a lot of like crazy, you know, messed up lives or, you know, they got famous really young. And I think that there's like this maybe kind of soft spot for people like that, that I have that are in these positions that might have a skewed version of reality and power and like sexuality within the entertainment industry. And I don't really think that it's okay to just like cancel an artist that has this body of work over the last like, you know, couple of decades. That's so incredible, like over a few allegations and I'm not really standing up for him. I mean, I don't think he's like the pinnacle of uh, greatness in the, <laughs> in the human. Right, you know, right, right. You know, whatever. But uh I also don't think it's okay to just say, oh, you know, these people accuse him of this. He must be the worst person ever. Let's never like listen to his records again. Totally. And look, there's regardless of like, you know, opinion about it is that if you, you, you hit on a really strong point that when you think about this, like, okay, cool. Yeah. It was tough for me to kind of go back through his catalog for a minute, but mm -hmm. cause I had literally just went through the entire catalog, like almost to the point before the allegations, almost to the point where like, I had to go back to like my cloud for like, 48 hours and the Orion record and the beast, all the things that aren't on streaming services, because like I was obsessive over his music and um, I never really liked him as a person anyway, cause I had to right. work with him. So I never liked him anyway. So this to me was just like, yeah, fuck. Okay. But like at the same token, at the same time, it's like, look at a band, like, you know, look at somebody like Jimmy Page and the allegations against him or somebody oh, like- I was just gonna say that. David Bowie, um, right. like Prince. Well, Prince is a piece of shit, but whatever. <laughs> but like you know, Michael Jackson, like the list goes on and on and it's not justifying, glorifying anything. It's just stating the facts that a lot of these people are just not great humans. Yeah, and, and that's why I was kind of like offended in a way that it was even such a big deal is because all of these people got super upset about it, but they're like listening to the Rolling Stones or David Bowie or Led Zeppelin or whatever. And it's like, you know, those guys weren't angelic. Like that was the part of the mystique, right. to it, unfortunately. They treated women like that. So Ryan is like looking up to people like that growing up and like, that's just what happens, unfortunately. And I'm not saying it's okay. It's definitely not okay, but it's also not, it wasn't okay to, exclude him like out from every other rock star in the world and say this is the person we're going to put on the front of the new york times as the me too guy right in the music industry well and now it's happened so many more times like even i just saw like today that like um matthew good who's an artist that i love in canada been signed to universal U music canada since 1994 dropped immediately because um and i don't know anything about his new wife or like i literally know nothing about her but she made an allegation that he was you know i don't even know what what the allegations were specific i mean I, the details whatever but it was like shit so immediately universal dropped him and he put right. his he put his statement out on instagram and then she's you know destroying him so if she's nuts then he's done for no reason, but 
and he's an asshole. Like you said, I literally have stickers that said, I hear Macca's a real asshole. He's really like, like an epic piece of shit, but I don't, if he did those things, yeah. And then he probably, then he definitely deserves to be dropped. But if he didn't. I totally agree. And I, oh, man, it's like a very complicated subject, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think artists like this, especially rock stars or whoever, like hip hop artists, like they shouldn't be held to such a standard of they should be angelic, perfect human beings for every person on earth. Like, it's just not fair. That's not who they are. Like they wouldn't be such good like songwriters or artists if they were perfect. There would be I mean, nothing to write about. <laughs> right? I mean, well, there's, it's also like, um, it's just time, right? Like I remember in the late nineties. So when like the girls go wild videos were like all the rage and <laughs> however you want to say that I never, no, that was not my thing. Um, but there was a series of videos, like home videos you could buy. Cause I worked at record stores they went, people bought this shit left and right. And they were like, not official, but they were official. And it was like Limp Bizkit, Corn, Kid Rock, uh, Saliva, like tour bus documentaries. And it was basically like, there was one where there was like girls that would go on a bus just to have the dudes in these bands that are now like all born again, whatever, like <laughs> looking at you, Corn, um, getting their like nude, getting their asses slapped with like raw pieces of steak, like, crazy shit and it was like right everyone just looked at that was like yeah okay all right i mean that was again, like that's what a rock star does it's totally fine it's so disgusting but you know anyway i just wanted to at least address that so we didn't just like act like it didn't happen because i hate doing that right but i will say it does not affect my you know memories of of such great like concerts and whatever with Ryan like I I love him as an artist and it doesn't make me not love him well that's the thing is that he's he's written some songs that even to this day even going through this that are just forever just in here they're forever in my brain like even when I'm not listening to him or thinking about him like the chorus from like Hotel Chelsea Nights or something like that is just forever stuck in my fucking head and that's that's to me that's like if you can write a great pop song like in the traditional sense like a band like the cars or like the early weezer stuff those are difficult songs to write because you're trying to compact all this into like a two and a half three minute whatever and have this hook that's just you can't forget like an earworm and he's done that so many times across so many genres it's it's almost it's a criminal i completely agree and the, the craziest thing about ryan to me is that like his body of work is one of the most it's like even the first record to like a couple records ago was like phenomenal, mm-hmm. you know, whereas like, I'm not going to listen to pretty much any band that has got like come out with that many records. Like, I don't care about the last 10 records that most bands have put out. Like that's right. just the reality. Yeah. <laughs> like if like, you know, YouTube puts out a, a new record, I'm not going to listen to that or like, you know, just any random band. But with Ryan, like, it's one of the only artists I get, still get, like, excited to hear new music about. And I think that's super rare. It is. And he, it, the way that he was able to, it always felt like like a comeback, no matter, even though he was never gone for that long. Like, when he took that one period that took about two years, which for him is like a lifetime, and then came back with the self-titled record. And it was like, give me something good. Elvira's in the video. And it's like, that felt like a rebirth and it's like how how does he do that he literally just went through a normal album cycle for any other artist 
but it felt like he was away for a long time because we're, especially like you and I who grew up in this business and grew up working his records, that's a lifetime. And then another lifetime, that's a long time. Right. And the funny thing is that that record is so good. So it's so good. And that tour was so good. And then the cover of it was hilarious because it was like a Brian Adams reference. It was the same font and everything. (laughs) So good. Like what artist are you going to say that's coming out right now that like in 20 some years, you're going to be like, man, I really love that new record. And like the album cover is funny. And like the live is really good. Like there's just not a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, there's certain other bands that I think that are consistent enough that I, I, I will always listen to their new records and probably enjoy it. You know, like Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World always yeah. puts out records that I enjoy. Do I necessarily, like, go back to that last record more than, like, five times? Definitely not. Ryan is different. Yeah, I'm actually in a Jimmy Eat World phase right now where I'm going back through all of their old records. Oh man, they're so good. They're so good. Um, <laughs> this is them. just so good. Another one that we worked too. But um, but with Ryan, I guess it's like, so was it work that got you into it? Or like, how did, I, I, it's interesting. Cause like for me, I, I discovered Ryan through Whiskey Town, but I didn't know Whiskey Town was already over like literally mm-hmm. working at the universal office in South Florida with like Mike Lawson and like just taking up random promos when I would go home. And if it was a Roadrunner promo or a lost highway promo, I would take it home. And it was for, um, for pneumonia. That's so that was, awesome. So that weird ass great record, but that's basically like, that's it. That's a, it's over. That's the swan. So the, the band was already done when that came out. So it's like, he'd already put out heartbreaker. Like it was like, a very strange time. So that's how I discovered it. And I was like, I don't think I really fully got it until gold came out. And then I went back. So for you, how did it? That's exactly the same as me. Like, I I feel like I didn't really know Whiskey Town because it was kind of, I was kind of past that. Like I was a little too young to really like go see them or anything like that. But um, so when I started getting into Ryan, it was more of like heartbreaker. And then I really got it during gold, which is obviously like the record that broke him open, like solo or whatever. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, when I was a a teenager, I was actually on the Lost Highway street team. So that was really fun. So I got like promos for for, uh, all those records that came, like the first couple ones that were on Lost Highway. And so I really, like, really got into him around that time and um, just became like a hardcore obsessed fan and then just started going to see him like on all of the different tours and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then when I was working for Universal, um, like the records that we were talking about earlier, like the Cold Roses and Jacksonville and all of those Mm -hmm. came out and I was just like hardcore. This is my favorite artist of all time. And uh, now that I look back, it's like my favorite record isn't even any of those. It's uh, Whiskey Town Stranger's Almanac. So. That's your favorite one. That is my favorite. I mean, that record's so fucking good. And I think I, I just I went back to that initially because I thought when we were going to talk about this originally, I figured we would just do Whiskey Town because I thought mm-hmm. that that would be that would be really cool. And I hadn't gone through even when I did the full run through the catalog. I started at Heartbreak. I did solo stuff. So. I went back to the, the Whiskey Town records and I listened to that record probably four times. So I didn't move on to another record because I just like, no. And it's like, the, it's the deluxe. So it's like a two hour listen. And I was like, nah, we'll just start this over again. And for like a week, I just walked around my neighborhood listening to it. And to be that young, 
the whole band, not just him, to be that mm-hmm. fucking young and to be that confident, or at least to sound that confident. It's like they it's created incredible. Yeah, because like I think look, I love Wilco too, but mm-hmm. let's be real, like Whiskey Town created this, like the Jayhawks were there first, and there's like the Bodians, and there's bands that did this, but nobody did this like they did this. They made it like filthy. And there's mm-hmm. and that's something that attracted me to like alt country. Because before that, it was just like either you were like this dorky, you know, no offense, Jayhawks, but you would look like you, were, you, you look like you were in the Jayhawks or you were like, you know, Hank, you know, Hank, Hank the third. And you were like, you know, secretly in a death metal band with Phil from Pantera. But then you were like a dirtbag outlaw country dude. There was yeah. no this was the in between. It was totally my gateway into the alt country world. And Mm -hmm. like ever since then, it's been my favorite genre. Like no questions asked. Like that's number one for me. And like, I would have never gotten there without Whiskey Town, without Ryan. Totally. So let me ask you. Think about Whiskey Town, like you were saying, like how young they were. Like that's kind of why I defend Ryan in a way is because, you know, like we don't know what it's like to be that young and be like, you know, on the road, famous, like sort of famous. Famous um, you know, enough. Having, yeah. yeah, famous enough for like tons of women and whoever to like go after you. I mean, he was like, bare, he was like a teenager. You know? He was, like, he was like 17 or 18. He was really yeah, young. Yeah, so I'm not going to judge someone like that grew up, you know, having that. And like, I don't know what that's like. And I'm sure it's really hard to like be a normal human being. Yeah, no, I'm going to judge him for being a dick throughout the yeah. entire <laughs> time that I worked at Island. And even through when I got to Interscope the first time in New York, because I remember that like, I couldn't escape him, right? Like, I think in my career, it was something like I worked, I, w- I at least touched seven Bon Jovi records. That's not okay. And then I was reminded <laughs> right before I hopped on here that I've worked like every Limp Biscuit album. That's just also not okay. Like, look, we we have our proud moments and we have our mm, moments. Mm. And to get to New York and then within the first couple of weeks to literally run into Ryan at Virgin Union Square and he's, so this is 2005 and he's standing there. I, I shit you not, the stack, because he's a short guy and the stack of CDs that he was holding to buy were probably two feet tall he's being a dick to like the guy that was helping him find the cd he was just he was look he had his demons and his addictions and i -hmm. think that was part of it and this is also at the height of him canceling shows canceling tours being called brian adams and losing his shit on stage (laughs) like so like he's you know him being a dick like i said is nothing new it's just to see it firsthand was kind of like well, disarming yeah yeah like you can't talk uh, to other people like this <laughs> I, t- I totally agree i just yeah it's like part of the persona though i think too it's like not yeah. just him but all of the you know those rock stars like they just have this like this thing that they're like they have to be an asshole they have to like show up yeah. do drugs and like be that guy totally when i was um also in New York, it was my first day at Fontana. My first day ever was Halloween 90, 2006. And it was to work <laughs> with Kiss to do a signing at Virgin Union Square. And Paul walks in. Paul is super nice. Like, he super is nice. so nice. So, I mean, I saw so much man chest and thigh <laughs> that day because they have like weird, random, like empty spaces in their tights. It's like, mm. why, why am I? And, it, and they're in their, like, they're in their boots. So like, I'm six too, but that thigh was like, I, it was like, love <laughs> thigh. Gene was nice until like, um, 
Denise Garbo and somebody mm-hmm. and, and and Lindsay who we used to work with worked into the so two women walk into the room all of a sudden he's like where's my fucking turkey sandwich and we're like what no and if, and if you've <laughs> ever been in Times Square like it's the most inconvenient place on earth to find anything if you need a specific thing like a towel right. or a sandwich no chance so I spent like an hour running around to get a sandwich and then I got it he said thank you and then I think one of them warmed it up in the microwave and then he was like, oh, it's too cold. Now I don't want it. I'm like, he's just a dick because he his persona was to be a dick to women. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. he sucks. Yeah, I've had those experiences with those two same guys as well. That's really funny. Good times. <laughs> no. So um, so I want I want to go back to something you said. So your so um your favorite album, Strange was uh, Strange's Almanac, right? Mm-hmm. So in his canon, his body of work, like that's your favorite, but what's his best? Oof. I mean, it would probably have to be one of the solo records. I don't know if, I think my favorite solo record is, well, it's with the Cardinals, but Cold Roses is my mm. favorite. And I might say that's his best just because I probably listen to that the most. Um, I think the songs on there are just unreal. I don't know what the best record would be. I mean, many people would say Heartbreaker, like yeah. the ones that are like, oh, everything sucks after Heartbreaker. Um, I'm obviously not one of those people. No. Uh, many people <laughs> would say Gold because that's the one that broke him open. And, it's not know. though. It's not. I mean, but like, who am I to say? Like my favorite Ryan Adams record is the one that everybody hates. So I can't. Rock and roll. It's rock and roll. I love that record. I it's right so here. good. <laughs> oh, you got you got that cover too. That's that's like the rare. I have that also. That's the the rare, rare, rare cover. I actually still listen to that all the time, and mm-hmm. I love it. And I agree with the people that say that they don't like it. I think they're just being like, you know, little bitches about it. <laughs> well, they, like, <laughs> no, imagine that your label, because like, remember that year he turned. I actually went. That was my first trip to Nashville. I think for for Ryan, mm-hmm. and it and I remember that Jeff Stoltz who was at Lost Highway at the time. Gave me a Japanese import of Rock and Roll on CD, which I still have somewhere, and an interview disc, which is terrible, but it's got Hypnotics as the bonus track, and mm-hmm. I was so I never. Oh wow, another. B, I was like hardcore look at getting the b-sides and the import singles and and whatever and i remember like he turned in seven records that year seven and they put out (laughs) they put out five of them so he probably like rock and roll was just like these are all my these are all my idols i'm writing songs in the vein of my idols so there's like an old u2 style there's a there's a police style there's there's a clash song there's you know, it's all on there. And I love that he just did that. I I love it. I listen to it all the time. Like, Wish You Were Here is like mm-hmm. the most, you know, it's amazing. I mean, I love that he put basically two of the same songs on the record and they're my favorite songs on the record. Like, Note to Self, Don't Die and 1974, which are the same riff, pretty much. Same yeah. song. <laughs> I mean, the whole record kind of sounds the same, but yeah, it's it all does. really good. It's it kind is. of like an ACDC record where it's like every song sounds the same, but it rocks. We used to have this joke that the drummer from ACDC just like they just count him off. He counts off and he just starts playing, and the band just like they'll stop, but he keeps going and they just pick right because <laughs> it's the same fucking thing every song. Um, and one yeah. of his best slow songs, actually, in my opinion, is uh, on that record is just rock and roll. Oh, that song is amazing. It's, it's so well done. I love well, it. It's just like, 
especially when you look at the, and I keep going back to that year, but when you look at the breadth of work in that year, like where he, like just from like polar opposites of doing rock and roll into the love is hell EPs, which are so different. And then it's so good. It's so good. And then Jacksonville, which is a straight up country album. Mm -hmm. And then 29, which is like, I think 29 was like that move into like more of like deadhead territory. And it's, Mm -hmm. and that's what I felt led to Cold Roses being so good that he like tested it on 29. Like, can I get away with this? Is this okay? Cause that's like (laughs) not the strongest of that bunch, even though it's still good, but. Yeah, it's probably my least favorite from that whole era of Brian. And I would say Cold Roses is my favorite, but Love as Hell is just like insane. That was actually probably what really, really got me into Ryan. It's like the Love as Hell EPs. Totally. Well, it's like, to, like like I said, Hotel Chelsea Nights and like, does anybody mm-hmm. want to take me home? Like those songs, like they're just ingrained in my, like the, in, in who I am as a music fan. I it's agree. Just, and I love the story behind them as well. Is that he was all, you know, fucked up on drugs and in mm-hmm. hotels and watching movies. And so all of the songs on those records are like the story to a movie. Like, I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> yeah, you should look it up. It's really interesting. Like one is oh. like Edward Scissorhands or something, you know? <laughs> that's fucking wild. This dude, I swear. Like, it's just, that's it. Like he would, I remember around that time he was doing do like, like, they're like, how do you do this? He did an interview with like Rolling Stone or Spin or whatever. And it was basically like, this is exercise. Like I do, I write a song a day. So that was wild to me because, you know, you know, especially like in the more like technical, like metal, rock, whatever, all world, like everything is like, it takes time. And especially at that time, you're looking at bands taking three, four years between album cycles. Mm-hmm. And this dude's like literally birthing a song every 24 hours. And that's, that's just nuts. And I'm sure there's a lot of shit in there and they probably never released, but I mean, even some of the weirder shit he put out, like the finger and like Orion, <laughs> shit's good. I mean, it's better than 99% of what's out there. Like his worst stuff is still better than most people's best stuff. Totally, totally. Um, Let me ask you. So even before all these like accusations and things like that, he caught a lot of heat as an artist. So what do you think it is about him that's so striking that it makes him such a divisive figure as far as his music goes? Because there's either you love Ryan Adams or you fucking hate him. There are no casual Ryan Adams fans, as far as mm. I'm concerned. Uh, I think there's probably multiple parts to it. I think a lot mm. of it was that he was this like bad boy that was dating all these super hot celebrity women. Mm. And men, a lot of the times, you know, get jealous of that, <laughs> I think. So I think on that part, it's because of like his fame in that way. And like, I don't know. And I also just think like Ryan, I don't know why it's so divisive actually, because for me i mean his body of work is so impressive and like so incredible that i can't imagine like hating him right right but i think any type of artist that's so kind of like crazy like people have strong opinions about like take like a kanye west for example like like he has put out some of the most incredible like hip-hop records like ever Mm -hmm. but he's so hateable in so many ways (laughs) so so hateable i can't 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I am in that camp too, where I know how, how good he can be. And I think that's why I, I strongly dislike Kanye West, not because of all the, all the craziness is just like, all right, dude, you clear, I feel for you. You need medication. Like there's something right. wrong with you, but like, I'm mad at him because I know what he's capable of. And then he's like, no, now I'm, you know, now I'm a minister. And like, it's like, dude, <laughs> like you made some genius records, like make, like just make records. That's to my point though. I think that most artists that are like real geniuses and really incredible are not incredible people. Mm. Like, unfortunately, like working in the music industry, I think I saw this a lot where I would work with these like such nice bands and they were so great, but they were definitely not the best bands. <laughs> like, oh, totally. I mean, I, I talk about that all the time. It's like, I would rather work with a band that is like, literally like I have to set up their Instagram page and they have no idea what they're doing, but they're super nice than mm -hmm. to work with another multi-platinum band that are total dicks to people that work for them. Right. I just, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I can't imagine. I, I just can't. Um, so in, in all that time that you were working with him, did you ever get like any, any like good quality, like conversation time with him or was it ever, did that? You know, not I actually didn't really work with him like in person much because I was in um, Detroit at the time. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, like, and by the time I was out in LA, like I didn't, um, like I really wasn't like working his records. So mm. like I was working in like different parts of, you know, different labels like Republic right. or, um, you know, and even like when I worked with Lost Highway, he wasn't really like putting out records at that point under Lost Highway. So. Sure. Do you still have your Lost Highway Willie t-shirt though? Uh, I don't. Mm. And I'm like really upset. I don't know where it went, but I do have my Lost Highway doormat that I see I every, time that. I, yeah. <laughs> every time I leave and every time I come in my house. And I'm always scared that it's going to be gone one day. Yeah, please just like glue that to the floor. Whenever, when I saw you post that, I'm like, oh my God, please. Like somebody's totally going to steal that. It's the coolest merch item ever. I know. I didn't put it out for like the years that I lived in San Francisco because I was like, oh, for sure someone's going to take it. When I when I left New York, I swiped a mat that was there in front of the meeting room. I just took it and shoved it in my backpack and walked out. It's like I wasn't even leaving the company. I worked for Universal for like another like 12 years. <laughs> but I, I stole like the prolonging the magic cake doormat. It's the same like style mat as the, as the get lost <laughs> one, but it's got the pig on it. And like, I like cake. I'm not like the world's biggest cake fan. I don't know why I took it, but like, and I was so precious with it. I'm like, no, we don't put this outside. Somebody will steal this. Nobody, <laughs> fucking steal it. Nobody cares. No, like, I don't even know where it is now. I'm sure it's either at Goodwill or the, I, I have no, I have no idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. So, um, okay. So when you're going through the catalog and you know he has periods too so you get through cold roses which is such a trip like with magnolia mountain let it ride mm -hmm. like it's such a like a it's such like a freeing kind of record like it's just so open and like almost like a really good black crows record in a, in a lot of ways oh my god i love black crows too I yeah do. i've been listening to a lot of black crows and uh cold roses like on road trips in the desert and it's really like a great soundtrack for that Oh yeah. Like there's, um, what's that before the frost after the freeze by the black mm -hmm. crows. Oh my God. That record's so fucking good. Um, but like, so he got on his like dead trip and then, um, you were mentioning before that he's got these, like, you didn't say this exactly, but basically like these peaks and valleys where he definitely, it definitely feels like he's on, um, he's on a hot streak. And, um, 
I think a lot of people that I knew were obsessed with Ashes and Fire. And uh, I was too. I it's one of those. Oh, that, I loved it. <laughs> no, no, I, I I like it. I think there's just like I think I, I um it's almost like with Bruce how there's he does records that like almost thematically where it's like this is now a mellow record and this is mm-hmm. a rock record and I think that works but I think I wanted something different from at the time I need to revisit it again because every time I hear it I find something else I like but I just didn't it didn't hit me. Right. No, I actually felt the same way. Like when I first heard it, I was like, meh, like, I don't really care. This is kind of boring. Um, and then I ended up seeing him a couple of times on that tour and mm-hmm. he, the live version was, I actually wish that I had like a live record from that tour just because it's so much better than the actual record. Like the song Ashes in the Fire, like when he did oh, it live, it was just incredible. And I was like, why didn't he do this style on the actual recording? Yeah, but maybe cr- it was rushed or something. I'm not really maybe, sure. Maybe. I mean, it's, I would, I don't know why he hasn't been more of like that kind of artist, like where he mm-hmm. hasn't been like releasing more live material. Like he did that whole huge box set and then like the, the single piece from was from, from Carnegie Hall, I think. Yeah. It was like um, life after death. Something, yeah, 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 something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but he feels more, especially in that era so jammy and so like i hate that word but it it was like so it was just like this free form kind of thing for him where before it felt they could feel feel rigid at times and this was just so open with the cardinals and i thought for sure that he would have done like a bootleg series or something to highlight Mm -hmm. those live shows because those live shows he didn't play as many songs live they like it was more of like a neil young crazy horse thing where they just like went off and it would have been cool to have that documentation i'm sure when he dies or when, you know, you know, how maybe 15 years from now, when we're looking at this in the rear view, that somebody's going to open the vaults and put that stuff out. Yeah, I hope so. It's one of the few artists that I would actually be interested in hearing that. <laughs> There's yeah. not a lot of bands where I'm like, I want to hear all these live shows. No, no. I mean, I, I want to hear like the, out, like the outtakes. Cause I was like obsessed with like, like when he put out, there was a, a Japanese import of This Is It from Rock and Roll. And there was like four B-sides on it, which is insane. I have that. I have, of course, of course we do. Of course we <laughs> but, both I, have this. but I have the CDs. So yes, like, I know. What do I do with this? <laughs> I, it's, it's nuts. Like I don't even have a CD player in my car. I don't have one on my computer. Yeah. I don't, I haven't even seen my CDs in, there in years. They're in the garage somewhere. The, what, what I kept, which is very few. Yeah, the only ones I have are like the, the B-sides and you know, stuff that I know that I won't be able to buy on vinyl or buy online anytime soon. So right. I probably have like one small box of CDs left after like collecting them for how many years, like oh promos at Universal and Warner and whatever. I yeah, Getting I rid have, of thousands and thousands of them. I have so many things that like never came out that like, mm-hmm. why, why would you sign this? Like, why do I... <laughs> But I kept it because I'm like, well, this could be cool. Like, it'd be cool to have this. But it, but it turns out that it's definitely not cool to have this. Um, <laughs> yeah, your garage is just full of it. It's it's not. Well, it's not. It's one box to be fair. But like, um, like I, you know, I I have, I have friends that still have all their CDs, and I like it's it was a, it was a I I want them to be free. Like I am free. It was a it was a it was a freeing experience to like get rid of them. And like mm-hmm. I even got rid of a bunch of vinyl too because it was like. Not like, you know, but I, I needed to pare down because like there's certain things like Ryan Adams is an artist that's meant for vinyl, like mm-hmm. a Mark Lanigan, a Ryan Adams, a Nick Cave. There's, you don't need Megadeth on vinyl. <laughs> I love them with all my heart, but you just don't like, I'm never going to sit there with like a glass of whiskey and be like, oh yes, yes, that 
I love sitting here and listening to this and torturing my wife. It's awesome. <laughs> I completely agree. Like I, um, I have one like super long shelf in my house that is vinyl and that's all that I've kept. I've sold all of the rest of it. And it's basically all the classic stuff that actually is like the originals of like stones and Beatles and Rolls yeah, and whatever. Exactly. But, um, also there's like the Ryan Adams, the Wilco's of the world and whatnot, the stuff that you want to actually hear on vinyl. Yeah, because it sounds warm and it's like you you do hear nuances like if you're a super fan that you wouldn't hear on the CD or on digital. Like I, I like obviously it's about your sound system and all that stuff too. We don't need to make this an audiophile episode. <laughs> well, like, I could talk about that. <laughs> you no, know, but the, but it, but like there's certain things that were do not sound douchey where like on vinyl, certain artists just kind of it's it, it's a better pairing than some others. That's all. Yeah, I had to get rid of my like Nicki Minaj promos. And <laughs> I did. I I just got rid of like my Gwen Stefani records. It's like these are unnecessary on vinyl, and I know that like <laughs> Austin Stevens is going to listen to this and is probably going to kill me. But like, they're the, the songs are, gr- are great. It's just that like I don't need this on on wax. That's all. Yeah, hundred uh, percent agree. Sorry, only buddy. your favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, Austin. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I love you so much. Um, so. It, it's always interesting when you're trying to get somebody into a band and usually there's like a divisive period where, you know, they either were super heavy and then got, you know, mellowed or vice versa, or they were like ACDC where it's like, it's all the same, but with Ryan, the, the breadth of work is so varied. Where would you start somebody like on a record? How would you start somebody that didn't, that was unfamiliar with his work? Where would you begin? Um, I actually, I mean, this is like, Definitely not the answer you're looking for, but uh, I, would, <laughs> I would probably make a playlist like on Spotify and no, do just like, you know, fair. my my favorite songs because it is so varied. Like if, say someone doesn't like the sound of like the Grateful Dead stuff, like like my favorite record is Cold Roses, but like maybe they don't like it. So maybe they love like rock and roll. So they could go through like the whole playlist and like find a sound that they like. And then I could like direct them in that way. Uh, okay, so so would you follow up question? Would you go chronologically on your playlist? Mm. I probably would not because no. wh- because Whiskey Town <laughs> would be first, right? Right. If right. I was going uh, solo, I would go chronologically. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. I mean, because I feel it, like yeah. so many songs on like Heartbreaker are just like like people instantly fall in love with, and so that might be like an easy easy in. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think that that, like you said earlier, that is a lot of people's favorite record. It's not mine and it's not even in my top five, probably. I mm-hmm. love it. But like, I think he didn't hit his stride until that, that epic year. What is it? 2004. I think that was the year where he was like, I'm fucking here. And cause I mean, like, it's sad, but I think he, it wasn't, it wasn't intended, but I think that opening screen where it says, Hey, this was shot three days before the towers came down before the New York video. Like that's, that's what made him. That's what broke him open to the, to mainstream. I mean, like mm-hmm. that video was on VH1 every fucking day, multiple times. It was, you could not escape it. And I think that that in the climate of that, at the end of, of 2001, it was an uplifting song about loving the city that just got fucking destroyed. And I think that that, it just, with the, like the album cover with the American flat, like it literally couldn't have been more American when, mm-hmm. from a new fan's perspective. Like you saw it, you heard it. 
you had to have that if like because like look I mean, patriotism was for better or worse was at an all-time high after that <laughs> like and it was like oh all of a sudden everybody loves america and right. it was but like that was like the theme song you know yeah it, no, i 100 percent agree and like he was like visually that record would draw me in without even hearing a song like just totally. looking at the cover i would be like oh yeah i want to listen to that and i feel that way about heartbreaker as well because it's like everybody can relate well, maybe not everybody, but most people can relate to like getting their heart broken. Like mm -hmm. just looking at the record cover, like right here, it's just like, of course you want to listen to that when you're sad. <laughs> totally. Well, his, no, that, that's a really good point though, that his cover, the cover art is always super emotive for Ryan. Like it always fits the theme of the music. Like even, even for Cold Roses where it's like those like 1920s ceiling tiles and that's what the album cover is. And it's like, you could, it was, um, oh, what's the technical term? It was um, the high gloss finish so you could feel so it yeah. felt like it felt like the fucking tile so it's like you just everything had like 29 felt like dark like you were going down this dark path and it fucking was it was this dark meandering record he always has a way of conveying it or whoever does the the, the photo or the the cover art he always has a way of as the team of people doing it conveying what the album feels like and that's maybe not in the later years with like the brian adams you know, self-titled, you know, <laughs> although I, we enjoyed that very much. Um, but yeah, Most people probably wouldn't look at that and be like, I want to listen to this. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It's like, well, I don't know what this is, but. Um, <laughs> this but is I, a crazy person, right? This now. is insane. This is insane. Oh, that's his hair. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but like, but even like, I remember I bought the Barnes and Noble exclusive because that was a thing of um, the vinyl for Prisoner. And the cover, I love that they decided that like everything's different. The cover art's different. The, obviously the vinyl color was different, but like it went from being what it was, which I don't even know what it is to like my cover has like an apple bong on it. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, all right. That's on brand. I love that. Right. And like, like Demolition, for example, oh. also a record that you look at it and you're like visually like, I want to listen to that because mm -hmm. it's cool. And the same with rock and roll. Like all of those records have great covers. Well, like in Demolition, like totally spaced on that, like that, that is a B-size record. And I it's, mean, that record is perfect. I love that album. It's so good. And he ended up like that record and then three and four. Those mm -hmm. records are not meant to be, they're not records. They're just collections of songs, but you, they're, they're sequenced so perfectly and like, they're just great. They're just great fucking records. Like that song Tennessee sucks. I fucking love. There's, I love that. Dear Chicago is oh, one of yeah. the best songs. It is. That's, it that is. was supposed to be a B-side. Like that's unbelievable. And like all the beginning songs like Hallelujah and Nuclear. And, oh, Nuclear. Oh my God. Like that song is a song that I think as, as a songwriter, you would aspire, you would use that as an example. Like this is how you write a perfect, mm -hmm. it's a perfectly constructed like three minute song or whatever. Nuclear is like, it's that song is for me, probably top 10 Ryan Adams song. I would probably agree with that. I, although I love Hallelujah, like just mm. like driving down the PCH with the windows down, like bat blasting. Yeah. God damn it. Now, now, like I want to go back through the whole catalog again. <laughs> I'm very chronological. So it's like, I might have to just skip around, which pains me, but I might do it. Yeah, I, I like a lot of chronological things, but I feel like with him, it's so hard because there's so much. It's a lot. Like it's, I think like three or four years in a row, 
Ryan, Ryan was my top artist on Spotify and not because I was like obsessing over, not because I was obsessing over like a certain record. I just, there's so much of it. Like I just went through the whole thing. And if you do that twice, there's no way you're going to listen to any other band nearly as much. Right. They're like, damn, dude, you really love Ryan Adams. I'm like, I do, but it's like really skewed. (laughs) It's like really skewed. Um, So does he have a song that you just can't fuck with? It's like something when you hear it, you skip it. It's just not for you. Oh, it's it's Wonderwall cover. It's not the best. best. (laughs) I hate it. And I hate that he like got a Grammy for it or whatever. He was like uh, nominated for a Grammy. I'm like, this is BS. It's total shit. And I, and I love what I hate even more is that he got the validation for it because Oasis mm-hmm. fucking covered his version of their own song. <laughs> like, yeah, li- I love, I love like the early Oasis song. So it's not really about them. It's just like, no. I just hated that that was like his, like break and like the awards i know you know, whatever it's just like total bs because he has so many amazing records it's it's boring it's really oh, boring it's, it's, i can't i literally can't listen to it i skip it every single time and i also like when he came out with the 1989 <clears throat> cover album i've never listened to it still to this day just because i can't <laughs> it's not for me because i think that i'm in the minority where i don't I don't fuck with Taylor Swift and it's not like, Oh, I'm a rock guy. Like, you know me, sorry. It's over my throat. Um, You know me better than that where like, I'm just not, I, I, it's not that I don't like her because she's pop country. I don't like her because I don't feel she's worth the hype. And yeah, I mean, it's just not my thing. It's not my thing. Like she's fine. She's totally Mm -hmm. fine. It's just that fine is like, I'd rather listen to something terrible than something that's fine. Because at least ter- like fine, fine is, is apathetic. It's indifferent. And like, I will listen to a new Insane Clown Posse record and be like, that is so bad and so entertaining. But <laughs> Taylor Swift just is like, it's there. And like him doing it note for note is like, oh, buddy, come on. Like you could have, you could have covered like Beggar's Banquet note for note, or like you could have done something like Goat's Head Soup or like, Fuck, who cares? Anything like, like, like My War by Black Flag. He could have done anything. Yeah, anything. anything. I mean, like when he did like the Strokes record, I was like, okay, I get that because right. like, that's an amazing record and it sounds different and interesting, like mm-hmm. in his way. But I just, yeah, I can't get whenever I like play Ryan Adams radio on Spotify or whatever, I have to like skip all of those, like the cover songs. It just does not do know. But like to your point about Wonderwall. I was really apprehensive when he put out the Follow the Lights EP, which I love, because he 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 did a cover. I, one of my favorite bands, Alice in Chains, and his cover of Down in a Hole is actually quite excellent. I actually love that. It's probably the only cover that he has that I like really love. I mean, I'm sure there's something I'm like forgetting right now, but um, yeah, that's like the cover that comes to mind, though. I would, yeah, it's just like, dude, please just stop doing this. But that, that cover is really good. It takes the song in a whole new direction and, and you don't want to cover out. Like when people cover bands like that, like Alice in Chains, Faith No More, Soundgarden, they do it like straight on the nose. And it's like, you can't sound like that. So don't, don't do that. Be something else. Take it a different way. Right. So if we were going to do this and Ryan Adams wasn't on the table, who would you talk about? Oof. I feel like I could talk about quite a few people, but there's only a few that I would want to talk about. My, I guess if I was to talk about a quote unquote, like newer artist, I would do Kevin Morby. I've been like really. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
Um, and I feel like I could talk about every single song, every record, like I'm pretty into it. <laughs> I'm not that, I got, I got exposed a little bit, but I'm not that far down the rabbit hole with him yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll get obsessed if you like get a little bit into it. You'll, it's kind of like a Ryan thing where it's like every single song, every record is like, is great and it's different. Does he have a lot of, um, please tell me he doesn't have a lot of records. I. He does have a lot of records. <laughs> I'll send you like a, a favorite. There, that like send me like a top three. Yeah. Okay. I, I think he probably has like six or so. That's manageable. I Like I think when you get to it, like <laughs> I don't, I don't want to like go, oh fuck, he has 20 records. God damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like starting a new TV show that's been oh. out for 10 years. <laughs> No, totally. I just finished a show that I had started early in the pandemic and then I would like, I just didn't watch the fourth season and I just binged all of it pretty much yesterday. And it was just to get through it to say that I did it so I can move on with my life. Cause like, I I, I couldn't get on with myself (laughs) knowing that I had like 13 episodes to fucking watch. And I was like, so I'm through it. It's great. I get it. All right. Kevin Morby me. Then we'll, yeah, we'll... I think uh, he would be like the newest one. And then if I was to talk about any like, you know, other alt country, like I know Wilco very, very well as, as far yeah, as like, yeah. their music goes. And I feel like I could really talk about them. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I, lo- I love them too. And they've gone through such a, a strange and, you know, just, you know, really, really amazing trajectory through their career too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would enjoy talking about white stripes just because it's like a detroit band yeah great band yeah i think i have come around so much on the white stripes i was always like a real shithead about it like self-admittedly where it's like no bass player no (laughs) no 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 rob and and i i just i think being a drummer i i didn't get the simplicity of meg's playing and then as i've grown older like I just went through, a few, I think the four first records like about two months ago and it's like, fuck, these records are so good. They're so good. And mm-hmm. if anybody else played drums on this, it wouldn't be the same. Right. Um, yeah, do you listen to that podcast called Dissected? Wait, are those those two? Oh, no, Joe, Joe Cara turned me onto a podcast, but I don't think that's what it's called. Um, yeah, no. I think that... This just made me think of it because it's it's basically like they dissect a whole album, like they go song by song and talk about it. And Ooh. the two of the artists that I would say I would talk about were on two of these seasons, and it was mm. Kanye and uh, Frank Ocean. Oh shit! I, I'll have to check that out. I like I love shit like that. I think like it all started for me with like um, what was that show on VH1 that they would release? They released them all on DVD or VHS or whatever because I'm ancient. But like it was them. <laughs> it was um. It wasn't storytellers, but it was them in the studio, like going through. So they would do like Phil Collins face value and they would be him at the mixing board, like in modern day or then like what, 1999 or whatever, isolating the vocals, talking about like, oh, they are playing like someone's like, you know, you know, zipper on this song or like, oh, that noise is actually us hitting like, you know, like a wind tunnel or whatever. Like, I love shit like that. I love dissecting a song, how it came to be isolating the tracks to hear things that you've never heard before like that that's really fucking rad me too oh my god i miss talking about that stuff mm-hmm. so fun it is fun because like at the end of the day it's like it doesn't matter what you do for a living it's like it's just when you get to talk you could work in a bank you could work for a record label like i do it's like it doesn't matter it's like we're ultimately not talking about music a lot of that time so to get to talk about actual music and why you love it is so much more important than pretty much anything else. 
Yeah, I completely agree. It's funny, like when I think about my time in the music industry, like a lot of it was so amazing and influential in my life, but then a lot of it was just like doing Excel spreadsheets, you know, <laughs> like nothing that has to do with music at all. No, no, it's, it's, um, it, I think that's what people like forget. And I'm not trying to like school anybody, but I think that there's, there's probably a contingent of people that think that it's so glamorous. And like th- there were probably was a time before our time where it was super fucking glamorous. And it was mm-hmm. like, we just happened to be born a little bit later. And I, it's like, whenever you post something on social media or you're talking about something, that's the result. That's the 0.02% of what it took to get to that post or that day mm-hmm. or whatever. Nobody wants to see the countless hours of like a digital plan or a marketing plan or a, or like going through like a PL budget or like that shit sucks. Like I, I'm maybe I'll start posting that instead. And then I'll start showing people that I actually do something for a living. <laughs> you should. Oh, you, you you, post, like a uh, throwback Thursday and you mm. like making bin clips. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh fuck. I found and then I'll move on. Cause I, I have one question I really want to ask you. Um, sure. I, so I have, um, I, 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 I've got the Beastie Boys book like three years ago. And then I, I read like 150 pages and I put it down and then I just, I never went back to it. And I started like, went on with my life and work and read another book, whatever. And then I went back to it like over this Christmas break and my forgot that my bookmark is a bin clip that I made. (laughs) (laughs) I think when I was working at Fontana, when I was working MySpace records, and it was this band, was it Sherwood? Some terrible pop punk band. Mm -hmm. And that's my bookmark is a bin clip that I made on Microsoft (laughs) Publisher. So for, for those of you that don't know, a bin clip um, was something it is what it says it is in a record store you'd put this little like what was it like an inch and a half tall maybe like, what six inches five, five inches wide the width of a cd and you'd put yeah. that you clip it with a clip on a specially made clip on top to the card of the section that it was in so like if you made a kiss bin clip you put it on top of the kiss card in <laughs> behind the cds so people would see it when they're looking through the racks it would stand out to you like advertising like new record or this song is like you know number one on this whatever rock radio station yeah i i made so i made so many ryan adams bin clips in microsoft publisher so many mm-hmm. ryan adams bin clips yeah i actually read this stat that said one percent of uh, all landfills are full of bin clips that we made so. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit you know it's probably um there's probably a grain of truth to that <laughs> like <laughs> I think just from all the all the moves that I was making, like moving like, you know, from apartment to apartment and part of the country to part of the country. Just like I, I recycled what I could, but there a lot of bin clips went down. They the RIP, a lot of bin yeah, clips. I yeah, I have actually a funny memory of bin clips. So right before I worked for Universal, I worked at a Best Buy in Detroit, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was terrible. As you can imagine, like I had to wear like the blue shirt, oh, and khakis, no. and, like all that shit. Yeah. But like, I, it was like a means to an end or whatever, right? So, of course, of course. So on my last day, like right before I like took the job, I like turned around all the bin clips and I and I wrote "fuck Best Buy" on all of them. Oh my god, that's amazing! Those got you know what? That's really good marketing. Those are get all the fucking attention. <laughs> I mean, we used to do all sorts of shit. Like we used to like, we used to work that man full devil jacket and we would like go into Best Buys and just drop like five EPs into the section and then leave. So like, <laughs> maybe 
people would probably go to the store, like go up to the register to buy it. And they're like, this is registering as no dollars, no cent, but it has a, it has a barcode, but like, I, I, I'm sure they're like, yeah, just take it. Like that was marketing back then. Fucking oh, I remember nuts. it was crazy. Because there's no we rules. We would do that all the time. Yeah. No rules, no rules at all. My favorite thing was like going into a store and not talking to anyone and like take, taking out the ladder from like the back room, <laughs> like putting up posters. Oh my like, God. They're like not discussing it with anyone there. I would do it all the time. And then like we would look and I'll explain this in a second to the listeners that will and very well, you know, for a good reason, have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. But I would go into the store and then just like, if I didn't do like the ladder thing where I didn't make eye contact and didn't talk to anybody, I would just be like, Jumpstart, you know, I got Jumpstart because <laughs> those of you who don't know, Jumpstart was an initiative started by the parent company we worked for, Universal, that based on the amount of market share that our label had, which at that point was like 27%, something fucking insane. That was the amount of space that we would have available to us to put up posters in said stores. So like I would go into stores and take down like Lil John on the East Side Boys displays and put up like fucking d aside 36 crazy fists kill switch engage like i would just go or like regional mexican music like los tigros del norte and all this stuff just just because i could like it's because like i had no business taking down like usher posters to put up my shitty like you know what was i working like die trying saliva you name it saliva. they just keep God. coming up i'm so sorry i'm so sorry no i just remember that period of time where like People love that shit. Like, oh, yeah. They love saliva. Like who now would be like, I, that's my favorite band. Uh, I think insane. you I think you know. I think someone in like Cedar Rapids, Iowa, <laughs> like fuck, it's like that's my band. Um, no, no offense, Cedar Rapids. I'm just like for all the people listening in Cedar Rapids. Yeah, for all, for all zero of you, I apologize. <laughs> it's and then, and then I really will move on. But what's crazy, I don't know if you know this, you will definitely get a kick out of this. That Hoobastank's The Reason, that song, is now like one of the number, I think it's it was number one trending song on TikTok last week. <laughs> there was like over a million streams on Spotify on that song last week. Oh my God. I it's remember like, I was in Grand Rapids in Michigan and I was like an FMR at that time, mm -hmm. which basically just meant you hung up posters and that was a job for That's some right. reason. It was, it was um, a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I had it too. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, I was like, you know, 20 or something, mm -hmm. 21. But uh, yeah, it was like 10 degrees below zero. I was in oh. Grand Rapids at some club by myself, snowing outside. And like, they're playing the reason on stage. And I was just like, why am I here? <laughs> like, what That's am it. I doing? It was like a come to Jesus moment. Like, oh, what am man. I doing with my life? That, and like and that, shortly after that, I moved to LA. That's amazing. <laughs> I was on tour with them on that run as it was happening. We were driving through Florida where I was living and in a van with Hoobastank, who are literally some of the strangest humans I've ever, I mean, at that time, they could be totally normal and balanced. Now we're there, we were all so young, but mm -hmm. I remember that day I had gotten the job with Interscope while we're in Six Flags in Tampa. And so I quit with them. Like, in, I can't remember if I was in line waiting to get on a roller coaster or actually on the roller coaster. I don't remember, but I quit with them and then had to ride in the van for like a whole other afternoon <laughs> with them, full well knowing that I quit on them. <laughs> it was just like the most... <laughs> And I thought I could bomb with them. Like they love Faith No More and the Chili Peppers. And we like, I thought that I could like get conversation going and I just couldn't, I couldn't pull anything out of them whatsoever. 
Well, they named the band Hoobastank. I know. And it was called, a very low expectation. It was called something else first. It was called like someone's gym shorts or something like that. Oh, that's worse. Didn't think it, that was possible. No, but. Their, their first name was way worse. I have to, yeah, I have to look that up. But yeah, Any, anyway. All right. So to finish this, I usually have like this question where I want to ask like, what's the sexiest song or whatever. I feel that's inappropriate with Ryan right now. <laughs> so there's a, there's a question that I've added to the list in general that we'll, we'll start doing going forward. But what would be like the funeral song? What would be the song that you play at your funeral from Ryan Adams? Mm. I don't know. Actually, I think I might have an answer for the, um, the sexiest songs though. <laughs> yeah, all right, tell me, tell me. Well, I... I love touch, feel, and lose. Oh, that's a, gold. Yeah, that's a that's a jam. Uh, I love Kim off of the self-titled record. Another jam. It's a really good song. So those are my two answers for that. But funeral. Hmm. Yeah, I I it's just I don't even want to go into my sexy song list. I thought for <laughs> funeral, it's like, does anybody want to take me home? Right, that's a good one. <laughs> no, I, um, I, I, I feel I, like something off of like Cold Roses, though, like. Easy yeah. plateau or let it ride or something like that. Totally. So alive, maybe. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Life is beautiful is on oh, um, yeah. is on cold roses. I think I have to go with that. Just Ooh, that's, because it is, you know, yeah. called life is beautiful. That's a really good one, actually. Shit. All right, because I literally didn't have an answer for this. And now I'm thinking that all of his songs are like a lot of the titles are tongue in cheek when it comes to death. But that's like you came up with a real mature answer. Thank you. <laughs> Every so often I yeah, speak right. maturely. <laughs> Once Amazing. in a while. Once in a but I'm glad that you brought that upon us at this time. So now <laughs> it's on record. I'm so glad we got to do this. And I would love to have you back to talk about Wilco. Or if we're going to do Kevin Morby after I dive in a little bit, I think that's something I want to get into more is like an artist that I don't have as much knowledge about and I can be schooled along with the listeners. And that's something I'm really into. But for the meantime, thank you so much for being on this. I'll tag, um, I'll tag, listen, I'll tag you, you know, please, please follow, uh, you know, listen headphones and Bridget, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for having me. It was a blast. Thank Anytime. you. Anytime. And when this is, we're, we're all safe, let's get together, have some pizza wine and, uh, and, catch, <laughs> and catch up for real. Pizza and pizza wine. Oh, done, done and done.